Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You heard the man. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, guys, we're going to talk about the thrill of the hunt. I chuckle when I say that because I've been on the hunt here the last couple of weeks. Mike and I have been scouring the state of Florida looking for investment opportunity for our real estate fund. And uh, it's been, let's just say, interesting. I'm going to tell you a couple stories or at least one story of uh, some stuff that we saw this week and things that happened and kind of give you some tips about that'll help you not get caught up in the hunt and the good the bad the indifferent of as i call it the hunt uh first of all i don't know about you but i think it's kind of fun to shop for properties i like to shop that said uh there's a whole lot of pitfalls during the process right it's first of all, it's Florida in July. It's hot. I mean, really hot. And the kind of properties I look at, well, let's just say they don't have air conditioning. And uh, so Mike came in from Colorado a week ago or so and spent a week with me. I've been out on my own uh, for a couple of weeks now, knocking the banging on doors and beating the pavement and sending out our direct mail, looking for opportunity, as I said, for the fun. So Mike came into town. I picked him up over at Gainesville Airport. It's funny. I didn't even know Gainesville had an airport. And we've been looking around central Florida, looking at uh, starting to learn some emerging markets. And I like to first study a market. So that's the first thing I want to start out with, guys. Study a market before you just start looking at property within a market. Understand what makes the market tick. Where do people work? Because here's the one thing you got to think about as you're shopping. If you... If you buy something that's too far out in the middle of nowhere, then you better, I hope you're focusing on maybe retirees because everybody else needs a job. Now that there is the the mindset that, well, everybody telecommutes these days. That's not true. You know, the guy that drives a truck, the guy, the girl that works in the law office or the, whoever works at the hot, everybody commutes. So you can't just say that everybody teleworks. Don't buy a property assuming that everybody's going to telework, okay? I hear people say that a lot in Key West. Now, yes, there is a pretty big population of people that do telework. Uh they move, they, you know, they work remotely. They've got then the dawning of the days of Zoom and all these Skype and all these other technological firms that allow us to web conference. Uh I spend a lot of time on Zoom. That allows me to do my job from Key West or from Cedar Key or wherever I am. I've been all over the state of Florida in the last couple of weeks looking in several different markets. First step being studying the market. First of all, what counties in Florida are the ones that are friendly to development? Want to see uh, housing starts going or added uh, or maybe apartment buildings fixed up, mobile home parks fixed up. Other counties in the state of Florida don't want anything to do with mobile home parks. They don't want any apartment buildings built or fixed. They prefer green space. And you need to first settle settle on which counties do you want to invest your time and effort looking for opportunity. Now, this whole process, I'll be honest with you, it can be daunting. And this is the whole benefit of, of investment funds, by the way, guys, because you don't have to go out and do that work. Mike and I and our team are doing it for you. It's not just the two of us. We've got uh, acquisition people in the street, in the field, knowing with what our criteria is, finding opportunity or looking for opportunity. I haven't found anything yet, but looking for opportunities that make sense that we can then vet and underwrite. And when things make, when we find something that makes sense, that has the appropriate upside and we can exit it 
uh, safely and responsibly as we as we promise our investors, then we'll pull the trigger, rest assured. But understand that that's not a process. You can't say, well, I'll have something in 30 days. I'll have something in six months. That's just not realistic. Now, there are people out there that, do, you know, syndication is a, is a big thing. And it, it, when you watch it just from Facebook, you tend to think, oh, so they just go out and say, I'll take that one. They do a little negotiate, negotiate, and they change the countertops, paint the place and add value. And then they sell it in two years for $5 million more money. Now, that's what you tend to see, but they'll understand that the Facebook timeline is sped up quite a bit. I'm not saying that the syndicators are being dishonest, but what I'm, what I am saying is that you're not seeing what goes on behind the scenes. A lot of front end time and money is invested. Hopefully the, the syndicators own money invested in going out and finding opportunity, learning about markets, building teams. All these things have to happen first. So it's real easy to get caught up. As I said, uh, the thrill of the hunt. But you have to start at step one. Don't skip ahead to step five. Figure out that market, okay? Next thing, once you figure out the market, then you're going to need to figure out the criteria that you're looking for within the market. Now, recently, we were looking at a an up-and-coming city, uh, an emerging market, if you will, in central Florida that has really got it going on. I'll tell you, this city is spending money to improve itself. It's to to give the... the, the uh, citizens of the community a much better environment i mean they've got your picture perfect main street usa mike and i were driving through this town last friday night we stopped we found a couple properties that were for sale that we were looking at didn't meet our criteria but nonetheless we wanted to look at them and just get an idea of talking to brokers and talking to property managers what's going on in that community and what we learned is that although there's nothing there right now that we found that fits our criteria we have been able to figure out in that market who some of the movers and shakers are, who we would want on our team, and who we wouldn't want on our team. Okay, what does that mean? Well, you talk to real estate agents, or you call real estate agents, and you know a lot of times they don't call you back. Maybe because the property they're in negotiations with with the, another buyer. Maybe they're just lazy. Maybe it's already sold. Who knows why? But the, you know, I for every. 30, 40 phone calls our team makes, we get maybe one return phone call. And trust me, we do all kinds of things to try to get the phone to ring. We call several times. We leave different types of messages, call from different numbers. Uh, it's just that folks are not, I guess, excited about returning phone calls in today's day and age. Maybe they want everything done by email, whatever it may be. Getting return phone calls can be challenging sometimes. So you're just going to have to figure out creative ways to get people to call you back. So that said, we go to this market. I mean, it was mom and pop apple pie America. Now, Mike, if Mike's listening to this podcast right now, he's probably kicked back, looking up, going, ah, and then saying the city name. I'm not going to tell you where the city name is. We're keeping that between us and the folks that are invested with us in the fund. That said, if you ever wanted to invest in a real estate fund, uh, you want to learn more about that, you need to get on my calendar. Go to cashflowguys.com forward slash book Tyler and book a call with me and we'll talk about whether you uh, it works for you or makes sense for you. That Going back to what I was talking about, we're going through this market. We met some property managers, met some realtors, talked to people that we went to, to eat, right? And when you go to eat, you strike up a conversation with people sitting near you. And we try to, what was cool was the restaurant we ate at was the seating was arranged such that 
the tables are pretty close together. So you could very comfortably, without being intrusive, strike up a conversation with people. And we found a nice couple sitting next to us that were very talkative. So with that, we were able to have a conversation with them, a great conversation with them is, you know, why, what, what brings them to this town? Why did they find this town as a uh, great place to buy a property and, and retire and live? And what are the things they like about it? What are the things they don't like about it? What do they like about the county, the area it's in? So we were able to get a good random sampling by talking to these folks. And then, you know, you go have lunch somewhere else and you do the same thing. You have another conversation with somebody else. Maybe you talk to the waitress. Maybe you're one thing I like to do is I like to go to antique shops. I'm an antique junkie. I love antiques. Uh, I use it kind of as a pattern interrupt in the middle of the day when I'm out property shopping because it gets, it can get a little much when you're, seeing a bunch of stuff that's all beat up and tenants and squalor and it bums you out a little bit sometimes. So what I do is I break up my day. I'll take an hour. I'll go walk a, a antique store. Maybe I'll go look at a pawn shop and just kind of window shop. When I'm there, a lot of times pawn shops, I buy, I'll buy some gold and silver if it makes sense. And one of these days I'm going to do an episode on ways that I buy gold and silver, uh, for a song. Well, I'm not going to get into that in this episode, but, um, Anyway, I'd, I'd like to talk to people in the community to get a good handle on what's going on in the community. The more you learn about a market before you invest in it, the more successful you're going to be. That's a fact. Uh, understand this. When you're looking at this stuff, it's we talked about this last week. It was about buying out of obligation. A lot of people do it. I see it all the time. Uh, I've experienced it as a listing agent. Uh, buyers just putting in an offer just because they feel they need to. And, hey, you know, more power to them. If I'm the listing agent, two thumbs up. But as a buyer's agent, when I represent buyers, I've seen this as well. And I've felt this myself. I talked about that in the podcast. But don't feel you have to impress, I'll say. That's probably not the right word. But a broker or the wholesaler, stick to your guns. Don't work outside of your criteria. Now, if your criteria is a little too lofty, if you're looking for a 30% cash-on-cash return and everything must pass a certain rule of bigger pockets calculation, whatever, then, yeah, you're going to have a tough time. You, you got to understand that nobody puts their worst foot forward. And what I mean by that is property goes on the market. I'm really kind of getting sick and tired of hearing people say overpriced. Everything's overpriced. Everything will always be overpriced. That's the nature of the beast. So we all got to stop saying overpriced because that's not really legitimate. Everything is always overpriced. Let's just understand that's the way it is and move on with our life. Focus less on price and more on sustainability, suitability. Uh, is it suitable? Is this market sustainable? In other words, is something happening in this market? Are people migrating in or are people migrating out? You need to know that. Where do people work in that market? If you don't buy in the middle of podunk nowhere, unless you know who you're going to serve and that that uh, tenant or that buyer uh, wants to focus on that area. For example, in Key West, we had a very specific avatar of who we were looking for to rent to. Uh, initially, we, we were working for groups, weddings, and things like that. Now, obviously, that deal didn't work out. That's a whole story for another day. But at the end of the day, uh, we have a very specific avatar who we're looking for. I just passed on an opportunity. It's one that I'm getting ready to list, actually, as a realtor. Put my realtor head on. It's a foreclosure property. I, the bank asked us to make an offer. I made an offer. Uh, based on what I think I would be willing to spend on it to go ahead and buy it and then fix it up and either turn it into, turn it into a rental or sell it. I would probably turn it into a rental. But for me, I had to hit a certain strike price before that made sense. So I made an offer, all cash, close quick. 
uh, bank decided to go ahead and have me list it. No problem. No harm, no foul. Um, they asked, I told it didn't work out. Nobody's going to cry over spilt milk. Uh, we're going to sell it. And frankly, I told the bank, look, I can get more for you as a realtor than I'm willing to pay you as a buyer. So in this case, it doesn't really make sense for me to buy this property from you. Uh, I think you do better if you, if, if, if top dollar is what you want and speed is not important to you, let me go ahead and list it and sell it and we'll get you retail for it because it's really doesn't need much work. It just needs paint and some landscaping and it'll be pretty much good to go. But, um, I don't focus on price. I focus on suitability. Does it fit my parameters? For example, when I'm looking at multifamily, I prefer to do uh, block. Okay. <laughs> you might ask why? Well, block is more modern. I find tenants like block structures more than wood. There are people out there and, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. There are people out there that are nervous about living in a stick built home in a, in a wood house. They think that, you know, it'll burst in, it burst into flames. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not an arson investigator, but they're also concerned about, you know, Florida gets a lot of bad press with storms and tornadoes and hurricanes. And they're afraid that a wood frame house will blow down. Uh, which is actually not the case because if you think about it, all these wood frame houses, a lot of them are built in the 1800s and they're still standing and they've been pummeled by storms for years and they don't budge. Uh, same thing is true. I've heard people say that about manufactured housing and modular housing. Guys, I got to tell you, in today's day and age, uh, manufactured houses are built almost as strong in a lot of cases as regular stick built concrete block homes. It's true. They build them to certain wind ratings. Some of them are 120 miles an hour. Some of them are sub 100, others are 150 plus, depends on the manufacturer and depends on the level of quality that you get when you get your build. Um, so be clear on what your criteria looks like. Be clear on what's suitable, what works for you. I, me personally, I'm not going to go in and do a heavy rehab. Why is that? You might ask. Well, because for me, a heavy rehab means lots of unknowns. Now, if it's down to the studs and I can see what I'm working with, well, now we're having a different conversation. But if I've got plaster from the 19, early 1900s on the walls, plaster and lath, and I've got lots of termite dust and damage everywhere, maybe I've got uh, vinyl siding on a wood house, I can't see what's behind the walls. I, the only thing I can do responsibly is assume the worst. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, yeehaw. But if I'm right, I don't get caught in what they what we call the gotcha, right? Nobody likes a gotcha. I don't like the gotcha. Don't get sucked into the gotcha. Promise me that. So I will look for if I'm looking if I'm in the multifamily, if I'm looking at a multifamily property, the first thing I'm looking for is it wood or block. Now this week we went and looked at a multifamily apartment building. Mike and I did. That was wood frame. Now you might ask, well, geez, Tyler, you just said you only look for concrete block. True, but I'm also look. I love the market. Mark and I went, Mike and I went, Mark, Mike and I went to the market, this emerging market here in Florida. We spent some time there. We immersed ourselves. We talked to people. We ate meals, broke bread, talked to, got to know people. And what we learned is the market's poised for huge expansion. Okay. Huge expansion. And because of that, now we've decided that that's one of the markets we want to focus on. Right. So we'll look at multifamily. We'll look at uh, build a rent in this market just because it's it's a great market. It's not hot yet, but it's on its way. Uh, I know there's future de large development and infrastructure on its way in. They've already broke ground on it. Uh, we found that out by talking to people, right? And you got to get behind, uh, get out from behind the laptop and get out into these communities and start talking to people. 
Uh, that's what good syndicators, good investors do. So with that, uh, we've learned that we definitely want to do business in this market. So why would I want to go look at a wood frame apartment building? Well, I want to meet the property manager. I want to meet the brokers. I want to walk the property. I want to kind of get an idea of what type of tenants are in that building, uh, what their needs are, what's the situation, why is it for sale, what's the seller going to do with the money. These are all important things because, it number one, it puts me inside of a building in the market I want, literally in the neighborhood where I want to invest. So I get to ask the tenants, how do you like living here? Is it safe here at night? Is it quiet? And, you know, you really get a good sampling. What things would you like to see improved about this place? Um, what? How do you feel about the, the rent? How long have you lived here? You get a real good opportunity to speak to people and have those conversations if you're out there being boots on the ground, okay? That's why it's important that you have those conversations, even if the property is not within your typical criteria. Now, obviously, you can't do this and go walk every property in a market that doesn't make sense. But at the time, there was nothing that fit my concrete block uh, ideology or criteria, I should say, available. So you got to pick the next best thing because I still want to go talk to the brokers, the property managers, the tenants, I still want to have those conversations and start to, to develop relationships. Now, of that, I was able to learn that the property manager does a lot of the work himself. That terrifies me. He doesn't have a general contractor in his Rolodex. That also terrifies me. So that con that property manager is not going to work for us because it sounds like he's kind of does everything himself and he's flying by the seat of his pants. Also, when I looked at his Pride and Joy rentals, um, they were a train wreck. They were an absolute train wreck. And frankly, shame on him for allowing people to live like that. It's just, it was just terrible. Now I've owned property in South Memphis. So I understand, oh my God, when you open the door, I understand low income housing. And this was not low income housing, by the way, guys, this was in a nice middle-class, uh, up and coming, uh, neighborhood where everybody's got their stuff together. Everybody's manicured. Heck, the outside of this property looked pretty good, but the inside was in various states of disrepair. Now the seller had bought the property about three years ago. It was a lady that owned the property. And I asked him, why is she selling? And he, him hawed around and didn't really give a solid answer. Well, once I got inside the property, I figured out real quick why she was selling it. She's probably selling. He's also the agent. He sold her the property. Now, three years later, She's selling the property. Well, what's happening here is he's mismanaging the property. That's what's happening. Uh, and I asked him specific questions to determine what type of property manager he was. And he finally came out and said, I said, well, you know, we, we believe in, in making sure our, our properties are in good order. You know, we don't like to cut corners when it comes to rehab. We want it done right. We want it done. We want it to be uh, visually pleasing, high quality work, good materials. We don't cut corners. Because we find it, it's more expensive to cut corners. You have to come back. And, he, and then he says, well, I admit, he goes, I'm kind of a slumlord. I'm always looking to save a buck. So he walks us in this first unit. He says, now this one, I got a quote of 5,000 in rehab, but I think that's too much. It should really be closer to 3,500. So I'm trying to negotiate with the guy that's going to do the work. Some fly-by-night handyman. Let me tell you guys, five. there's no way in hell that's a $5,000 rehab. That, to do it the way it should be done, is a... $25,000 rehab, which for me is way more rehab than it's worth. Frankly, I'd knock the damn thing down before I'd spend that kind of money on an apartment. On one apartment, I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, $25,000, like, good night. But it needed everything. I mean, 
everything. Even the floors were rotten. It was unbelievable what how bad a condition it was in. Then we go to the next apartment. It wasn't really much better. We go to the back, one of the back buildings, and go up on the second floor, and everything's just a train wreck. There's a poor guy in a wheelchair there. Go down to the first floor and look up. Above the doorways, the drywall where the main beam of the building is, is cracked. Okay, right where the main support beam is, is cracked. That means that main support beam, wood frame house, is likely eaten up with termites. That building is actually sagging, and he's got disabled veterans in there. So, of course, I'm a veteran, and I was, got to tell you, a little bit offended that somebody would treat our, our heroes like that. Just allowing them to live in filth and disgust and, frankly, an unsafe building. Now, I'm not going to rant about that anymore, but that's what I'm talking about. That definitely is outside of anything I want to mess with. I'm not willing to take on a project like that. Not at this stage of the game. Um, it's just, it to me, it feels too risky in the marketplace. There's plenty of other opportunities out there where we don't have to dive into that train wreck. Now, throughout the week, we saw lots of different clues. And this property is definitely a clue. And one of the clues is, and Mike and I were laughing about it, it's like, oh, this should be a mess. Because anytime I see a property where the outside photographs are shown, but none of the inside, that's usually because it's a complete mess and they can't seem to get photos to show any of its good side. And obviously that was the case here. This place was a complete mess. Now there are cases where the tenant, the landlord couldn't, the tenants wouldn't let him in or couldn't figure out how to get them in to take pictures. There, there are those cases, but that's also a clue, guys. If the tenant is uncooperative as far as access, okay, if it usually leases are written in that you give the tenants 24 hours notice. Um, but there are times when the tenants will flat out refuse, and that's a management problem that you got to work through. And when that happens, there's the right way to deal with that and the wrong way to deal with that. Sometimes you need to get an attorney involved. Speaking of which, uh, if you're in Florida and you've got problems with access and things like that, you need to go to yesnerlaw.com. That's Y-E-S-N-E-R, yesnerlaw.com. Give Sean a call and hire him to sort this mess out for you. That said, if you're going to be a landlord in the state of Florida, you should have a real estate attorney review your leases. Get on the phone with Sean. Send him a copy of your lease. The state of Florida boilerplate place, boilerplate lease, in my opinion, has a lot of holes in it. I'm not an attorney. But I would have an attorney improve upon that. Make sure that you've got the rights that you need uh, to be able to get into a property. Talk to them about uh, how many years you can lease. In the state of Florida, the, the boilerplate lease says 12 months. It's right on the top. It says, shall not exceed 12 months. So if you go change that, you need to talk to an attorney before you go changing that stuff. I don't mean to digress, but I just wanted to throw that out there. So, guys... Don't burn bridges with brokers and wholesalers. I could have sat there and dressed down this property manager. Trust me, every part fiber of my being wanted me to dress. I wanted to dress this guy down and say, you are a colossal POS. Shame on you for renting this place. But you don't know what the situation is. Maybe the seller is the slumlord. Maybe she doesn't authorize any repairs. That happens a lot. I know a lot of uh, landlords that simply don't take care of their properties. They don't maintain them. You guys probably know the same thing. I talked to... People where they say, well, I haven't raised the rent in many years because she's a little old lady and I feel sorry for her. So my next question is, is the property in perfect condition turnkey? Well, no. Why isn't it? Well, because I don't have the money to fix it. I see. So what you're doing is you're forcing somebody to live in squalor because you think you're doing a favor by saving them a dollar on their rent. 
that's not being a good landlord. If you, that's you in the sound of my voice, you need to stop what you're doing, get rid of that property and let a real owner come in there and treat people right. Part of treating people right is renting responsibly such that you can get rental increases every year and you can maintain the, the properties properly. That's the right way to do it, guys. Don't cut corners when it comes to that. Okay. You know, when I'm dealing with brokers and, and wholesalers, I'm kind of going to wrap up with this. Just because you say no doesn't mean you've burned a bridge. Don't buy a property just because the wholesaler told you to, or one of these, one of these wholesaling realtor companies like we have in Pinellas County, Florida, we've got two of them. Uh, they, they use high pressure tactics. They give you, make you give a non-refundable, uh, uh, earnest money deposit. And then they pressure you into buying. And if you don't buy, then they're going to heckle you about it. Stay away from people like that. If you get any feeling that you're being pressured, back away. Just back away. Now, this guy that we went to see, this property manager, he was shocked that we weren't going to write an offer. Shocked. Okay. Now I proved that we're a cash buyer. I showed a proof of funds. You know, I'm cash and I'm willing to close quickly. I said I can close as soon as 10 days. He was all excited. But when I saw that train wreck, there's no way in hell I'm going to waste my time putting in an offer at any price because it would take us a year to get that thing turned around if we were lucky. And frankly, I'd have to get it for about 50 grand to make it worthwhile. It was just such a train wreck. Um, so don't feel obligated to buy, as I said last week's show. And you're not, you're, yes, you're going to disappoint people. It's not possible to do what we do for a living and not disappoint people. So sign on to, you know, that agent is a little disappointed that he didn't get an offer that day. But at the same time, he did a crappy job managing the property. And because of that, he doesn't really deserve an offer for that property, at least not from us and not from our investors. You know, understand, guys, you just got to keep looking sometimes. You got to turn the corner and you got to keep looking. Let people know that you're looking. I'm posting on Facebook. I'm sending out direct mail to sellers. I'm sending out mail to brokers, sending out mail to wholesalers, letting them know that we are looking, okay? That exactly what we're looking for, the criteria that we're looking to invest with. And when you do that, guys, eventually phone's going to ring. Good things are going to come your way. Uh, and I know that you'll be able to get something rolling. Guys, I hope you have a great week, and I will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.